We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today we get to tune in and listen to our February breakfast with Dave Jewett. Let's tune in and listen to his message to the Brotherhood. So here's what we're going to do. Um, I want you guys to join me in welcoming Dave Jewett to the stage. Can you do that? Let's go. Thanks. All right. You want to sit down here with me? No flowery introduction because I wanted to say a few things about you before we get started. And uh, a lot of you know Dave. Um, I liked this format because I have been sitting across a table with Dave for about the last two years, and I cannot tell you the amount of gold, the amount of wisdom that I have received from this man. I don't know how many of you have a true mentor in your life, especially a spiritual mentor, but I have been blessed to have you, and I know there are a lot of men in this room that have done the same, at maybe Panera at 41st and, or, and yeah, I-44, and there are many lunches and coffees that we've had there together, and uh, you've just shared wisdom with me like a father, Uh, A lot of us just went through a book by John Eldridge called Fathered by God, and I think God is always actively desiring to father us. He wants to lead us like a wise, loving dad toward life, toward wisdom, and he does that through his scriptures. He does that through messages that we hear on the weekend from our pastor. He does that in small groups, but I think one of the most meaningful, special ways that he does that is through a mentor in our life, someone who's a little further down the road than we are, who takes an interest in us and wants God's best in our life. And Dave, you've done that for me, and you've done that for so many men in this room, and I just thought we would do kind of a... a, a little here, here. You and I are on this side of the table, and you guys are just on the other side of the table today. Okay, it's just like we're just sitting at Panera having a conversation. One of my favorite verses comes out of Jeremiah six, and this is what it says: The prophet Jeremiah says to the people of Israel, he says, "This is what the Lord says: Come to the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is, and learn to walk in it." and you will find rest for your souls. But then this next line, but you would have none of it. Man, I think that's true of us as men. God knows that we need direction. We need that ancient path, that good way. But too often we're distracted, we're focused on our own things, we, we kind of are sitting on the throne of our own life, we have our own agenda of what's gonna happen, and God's like, I want to show you the way toward life, but you won't listen. You won't have any of it. I just want to encourage and challenge us this morning. Let's take just these next few moments to ask where the good way is. And, and I know Dave would sit up here and say, don't, don't oversell me. I, I'm, I'm no saint. Uh, I know he would say that, but what I've discovered is this man has a lot of wisdom from God to share with us. And so we're going to dive into three different exercises that, that Dave has just handed across the table to me at Panera that have been hugely helpful, and you have those at your table on these handouts. They'll be here on the screens. And really, here's what these three exercises do. The first one helps us locate ourselves in the right spot. It matters where we are. It matters where we start from. If we start from the wrong spot, we're, we're, we're screwed from the beginning. The second one helps us take steps 
either toward life or it, it warns us about taking steps toward death. And the last one helps us bridge the gap between who God has created us to be and what he's called us to do and where we actually find ourselves. So that's kind of those three exercises. Dave, um, I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks for doing this. And um, let's get started here. So before we dive into that first exercise, you are the founder of Your One Degree. People around here have heard a lot about that. What is it? How did it get started? Just give us a real quick overview of what that is. Well, we started several years ago because we saw that good men were getting stuck. And uh, we wanted to help them not only get unstuck, but also to get on a track to finish well, since most men don't tend to finish well in life. So um, we we coach guys, uh, we do small groups, we do, but primarily one-on-one. And we take guys through a process where they really understand better how has God been preparing them? So each God has been preparing each of you men for where you are right now. Uh, he's sovereignly at work, and it's, he's a master designer, and he knows what he's doing. And he know, he's preparing you to be used in your arena in a powerful way if you'll trust him. Yeah. And if you'll take time to understand how has he been preparing you. So that's what our process is about. Uh, it's very, it ends up being, becoming a very spiritual process because we're connecting with God Almighty. And we're getting a better understanding of what is he actually up to with us. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, I, I, well, your one degree has helped so many guys. And I just want to say here, and I'll say it at the end, John Starr sitting right over here. He's one of Dave's leading coaches for your one degree. We've got some other coaches here as well. They're going to be at this table right back here in front of the sound booth when this is over. To, if you're interested in this process, in the program of your one degree, they're going to be right back there when this is over. And I'm going to remind you at the end, and we're starting that this week, this Wednesday night, we're starting a new round of your one degree. So if you really want to dive in deeper to some of the stuff we're talking about today, you're going to have an opportunity to sign up and do that starting this week. Okay. Just in the interest of time, because we We've got some ground to cover. Um, There is a passage of scripture out of John 15 that really sets the stage, I think, for all three of these exercises. Uh, Talk about John 15. I'd really like, even if you wanted to close your eyes, guys, and imagine Jesus. Uh, He's just spent time washing the disciples' feet. He is... um, uh, aware, he's told them, how hey, I'm going to be betrayed. He's given them the greatest commandments. Um, and now he's walking, heading toward Gethsemane. And somewhere along the line, I envision him walking through this vineyard. And he's saying to these guys, hey, see these grapes? See this, these vines? I just want you to know uh, that before I leave, that I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you'll abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So as I've been meeting with groups of people over the years now, I've asked them, so... This is pretty important stuff, isn't it? Jesus is telling these guys something that's really on his heart. And he's saying in terms of kingdom impact, you got two choices. 
abide in me or uh, don't. Much fruit or nothing. So I, I want to ask you guys, are you here for much fruit for the kingdom? Or are you here to be busy? This city is filled with people who've been busy. What the city needs is the power of God working through men and women who are abiding. That way, kingdom impact happens. So if abiding is so important, how I oftentimes ask people, so how would you define abiding? In my 20s, I asked a lot of people, what the heck does abiding mean? And don't tell me remaining and dwelling. That doesn't help me. Okay. And so I've kind of stumbled on to, as as I'm going through my own life, I've kind of settled in on some of these things, which I want to share with you on this one screen. So, um, Yeah, abide is not a word that I use regularly in my conversations with mountain (laughs) men guys. You know, so it's like, hey, let's abide together, right? But Jesus, we get that English translation from what Jesus is talking about here in John 15. And and you alluded to it, you know, he, he makes that line, he says, you can abide in me and bear much fruit, or you cannot abide in me. And, then he, and he, it literally says, and do nothing. And that's a sobering thing, because a lot of people like, well, I see a lot of people that, that aren't um, Christians, and they seem to be accomplishing a lot. But Jesus is talking about an impact that lasts into eternity. You can accomplish a lot, build a business, and when you die, that business just goes to someone else, your children or someone else. But Jesus says your life can make an impact that lasts forever. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jeffrey, let's throw that first slide up here. Uh, unpack this a little bit for us. David's behind you if you need to, to reference it. But unpack like this circle of abiding, like locating ourselves. Because we can locate ourselves anywhere. Why would we want to be in this circle? What's going on with this slide? Well, everything happens as a result of your being in this circle in terms of kingdom impact. Yeah. So um, one of the things that has really helped me is recognizing that abiding is really about a awareness of God's presence. So why don't you put that first slide up. So here's my dog. He's a great Dane. He's a big dog. He's 180 pounds worth. Um, Eats a lot, does a lot of other things. But um, he comes in most mornings when I'm having time with the Lord. And and he, he comes right in, and I grab him by the head. And I thank God for him, for this, this creature that you've, you've made, Lord. And I thank you that you use him to remind me that you are the hound of heaven. You are always pursued, pursuing me. You're always prodding me. You're always loving me. You can't, you just love to be around me. Is that how you feel about God Almighty? He loves you to come to him. He's always prodding for your good. You know, so I've got, I want to put the other slide up, okay? Um, 
I do a pretty regular uh, walk at, at Turkey Mountain with my friend John. We'll do, we'll do three to five miles. And, you know, wouldn't it be odd if I wasn't aware of John's presence? Are you aware of his presence with you right now? And the Holy Spirit is a whole lot closer than John is to me. Okay. So awareness of his presence, and that's a discipline we learn over time. Turn our hearts to him. Turn our minds to him. It takes years to to really develop that practice. But wouldn't it be great if you just always were aware so even if you've got empty seats here, well, why don't you picture Jesus sitting right there with you? He's here with you today. And then surrender to his will. You know, John and I have the kind of relationship where we can kind of tell each other what our crap is. And we will align with advice that each of us give to each other. Uh, he knows my deepest, darkest secrets, and I know his. And he loves me and accepts me, just like my dog does. Of course, it goes a little deeper than that. And then I interact with him, right? Why don't you put that slide back up, okay? I seek his guidance. So I was even asking him, hey, do you think I should do this at Church on the Move? Because this really isn't my thing. I'm a one-on-one guy. And he, we prayed about it together, and he just said, yeah, I think you should. If you can do this. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then, what else is there? There's interacting with him. Talking with him throughout the day. Uh, it might be hard for us. You, know, you guys, I'm so excited that here at this church... You're really learning about the Word of God. Yeah. And that's kind of a very, it can be a very intellectual pursuit, and that's very important. But you also need to learn how to, the, the mystery aspect of our, of, of, of our relationship with God, of communicating with Him. Do you ever feel funny talking to God? You know, He's invisible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, he wants that. Whether it's talking out loud or just talking in, in, internally. Interacting with him. You know, um, the more you do that, the more you start to recognize his voice. One of the problems in Christianity is so many Christians don't recognize God's voice. Yeah. Because they aren't spending time with him. The more you spend time interacting with the Father, with the Lord Jesus, you become very alert to his promptings. We need that, guys. Okay? Then, taking thoughts captive from the Word. Don't we need to do that every day? Moments, moments throughout the day. Stuff comes in we, we know shouldn't be there. We have to take the Word of God and say, Lord, I'm going to align with, with what your word says. And then lastly, and there's more to it than that, but, you know, praise and thanksgiving, certainly meditation on the word, 
Uh, I'm not saying that you do all these things at the same time. Yeah. But many of these things are what's happening when you're abiding. You know, and as I've been going with these groups, I oftentimes ask, so, hey, are you abiding right now? Hey, you abiding right now? Well, then I kind of poke it in a little further, and I say, uh, so might not really knowing what abiding means, and perhaps not really um, knowing if you're abiding at any given time, mm. have an impact on your influence in your arena. Mm-hmm. What might happen if you're trying, trying to do things, but you aren't abiding? in your marriage, in your work. Uh, Well, it won't be kingdom impact. Let's just say it that way. Yeah. So you have at the top of this, this line, which I think is really good. What often causes us to leave the circle is a wrong response to negative emotions, not trusting. I think what I, what I so gained from this and what I would love for you guys to gain from it is kind of the last thing that Dave said there. Are you abiding? And the problem is when he asked that question when I was in a room of people, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> there was a part of me that was like, I don't know if I want to say yes and overestimate the fact that I maybe haven't thought about Jesus in the last hour because I had head down on a lot of different to-dos that I had to do. And they were, they were ministry related. I'm a pastor, but I'm like, I don't know that I've been doing any of these things the last hour before I rushed into this meeting. So I don't really want to lie and say, yes, I'm abiding. But at the same time, I, the Holy Spirit dwells within me. Christ is, I, I, I know that he's with me. So it's not like I'm completely not abiding and outside this circle. And I think what Dave challenged us with and what you just heard is, The problem is we don't even think about this very much. If we thought about it, if we just let it be front of mind, we might act, speak, make decisions more in line with what abiding would look like. And I think that could be a major game changer for so many of us in this room, in our families, in our marriages, with our businesses, is just acknowledging that Jesus wants us to abide in him. We, he still wants us to do the things that we've, he's called us to do. He still wants us to be husbands and dads and run businesses and lead teams and, and, and be good students if that's what you do. And like He wants those things for us, but from a place of living in this circle. Dave, what is it about negative emotions that can pull us out of this circle? Well, even before we say that, I want to just say, I want you to think about that circle as... As what Jesus talked about, if you keep my commands, you'll abide in my love. Mm. That circle and staying in that circle is how you're going to grow in a love relationship with Jesus. And guys, your love for Jesus is what's going to determine the impact of your life. Wow. Okay. But the negative emotions are one of the things that keep us out of that circle. And um, I've learned over the years that I can, deal all, I can deal all the wrong ways with my negative emotions. I can blame. I can try to fix things. I can um, ignore them. But when I actually identify what my negative emotions are, I've learned to go to the Father. And I've learned to say, well, Lord, I'm concerned about these things right now. What actually is it that you want me to trust you for? Now, if you don't remember anything from, our, from this morning, I want you to remember this, this question. 
you ask the Father, what exactly is it that you want me to trust you for here? Okay, now why would you ask that question? You ask that question because when you ask that question, you, you, you automatically start to shift your attention away from the emotion and the circumstance to his power, his omniscience, and his care for you. Mm. That is always the answer, guys. Okay? Now, this can happen with little things like someone's running late, and I hate to be late, and I don't like to be stood up. So I've learned that when I, when I start to get emotional about it, I go to the Father and I say, well, Lord, you know, what do you want me to trust you for here? And, he, and I'll listen, and he speaks to my spirit, and he starts to give me a perspective. Hey, they're doing the best they can. Hey, meanwhile, Dave, you and I can talk. Yep. Okay? So cool down. So I cool down. I've avoided a lot of unnecessary conflict at home. Okay? And, but it can be more serious things. It can be more serious things like, you know, we have a nonprofit ministry. And several years ago, I woke up one Monday morning and I realized, dang, I, I missed my quarterly tax payment. And dang, again, I don't have enough money for it. <laughs> so I write in my journal, ah! and I take it to the Lord and I listen. And here's three things he said to me. First of all, Dave, I'm really glad you've come to me because I am always the answer. Mm. Mm. And I want you to remember that I, I'm going to continue to provide for you like I always have. I haven't noticed that you've missed a meal, Tubbs. Okay? <laughs> Secondly, I want you to know that, don't you know that I actually know exactly what you need to do here? Now, if you want to spin your wheels, go ahead. But I know what needs to be done. I, need, need, I know what you need to say I know what, or say nothing. But all the way, also, also, guys, I work behind the scenes. Will you trust me to do that? And lastly, I'm the one that tells people to give to this ministry, not you, bud. Wow. And if I don't tell them to do it, it doesn't happen. So will you trust me for these three things? So I write down in my journal, I will trust you, I will trust you, I will trust you. And two hours later, I get an email from my back office gal. It says, hey, there's this check that's been floating around in our back office for, for a week now. And I kind of thought you knew about it. Of course, I didn't. It's for $107,000. So I cried. <laughs> I hate to admit it, but I, I cried. But um, the Lord said to me, Dave, how ridiculous do I need to make this? Yeah. Now, I'm not always going to be doing this. Yeah. But I always want you to come to me. I'm your solution. Yeah. I'm your help. I'm your source. Apart from me, you can do nothing of real value for yeah. the kingdom. Yeah. Okay. So that has been really a big deal. So learning how to ask that question, those questions, what exactly do you want me to trust you for? I challenge you to do that today. Yeah. When you have a negative emotion, use your negative emotion as a prompt to go directly to the Father and say, what the heck is it you want me to trust you for here? Yeah. 
Man, that's good. I got to keep us moving because we got more ground to cover, but I love that. You'll see on that next slide, Jeffrey, what's that next slide there? It's the seven steps. And you'll see right there, in, I think it's in blue toward the bottom left, Father, how do you want me to trust you, right? What do you want me to trust you for in this situation? That's one of Dave's key prayers. And this is an interesting prayer because it's not just asking God for something and then waiting to see if he shows up. You're actually having to, you're asking a question that you have to listen for the answer. And I don't know that that's always the way that we pray, um, This first slide is about there is a place that God has for you. Uh, It's not a physical place. It's a spiritual place. And if you will keep coming back to that place, when you wander out of it, if you'll keep coming back to it, that's where you'll find life. That's where you'll find fruit in your life, in all the relationships that matter. This next exercise that Dave lays before a lot of us, probably some of you guys have seen this, is you can take steps based on what you're going through that will either lead you to to uh, fulfillment, to life, to, to success, to, to, to where God wants to take you. But it's very easy to be in that same spot and take other steps that lead to despair and disaster. Dave, walk through this one with us just a little bit because this is really helpful. Okay. So this guy at the beginning of those, those ladders is, has, has a negative emotion and he has a choice. Okay. Is he going to ask God that question or, or not? So if he, if oftentimes we'll pray, but we don't ask the Lord, what do you want me to trust you for? Which I like to call whining. (laughs) Okay. So if he whines, guess what happens? He's now taking on the burden. Yeah. Because he hasn't trusted. So then what really happens to you guys and me is we start accumulating burdens. And, you know, we weren't meant to carry these burdens. And then eventually what God gives us is another alarm system. He says, okay, uh, your body starts to send you messages as saying, I'm not going to let you sleep, bud. Or I'm going to give you stomach problems or joint problems or who knows what. He's very creative. Uh, he's trying to get us to come back to him and ask those questions. To trust him. And if we, and as you're going down this ladder, it's cause and effect, guys. It's been so helpful to know that I'm not a dirtball for being at these midpoints. It's cause and effect. If I pray without trusting, I go to burden bearing. If I, if I keep not trusting, I go to weariness. If I keep not trusting, I go to discouragement. Now I'm losing hope. I wonder how many of you guys here are losing hope about something. Yeah. I bet a lot. And some of you are even going to the next step where you're now you're starting to losing belief. Mm. And, and it happens to leaders a lot. But guess what happens? Once you move from losing hope to losing belief, you stop sharing with people who can help you. Mm. Because it's too vulnerable to tell somebody, I don't know if I believe in this junk anymore. And then your brilliant solution for disillusionment is you disengage in people who can help you. And if you stay there long enough, guess what happens? You really make a bad decision. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm, I've been right there right before disaster. And I was rescued by a friend of mine years ago. And so I know what it feels like to be at that point where you're about ready to self-destruct. 
Uh, how many? Uh, some of you guys have already done some of that. But some of you guys are heading there. And by the way, as you're going down this ladder, the notion of trusting God as a solution can seem just ridiculous. Yeah. And it can even seem offensive. Okay? Yeah. Man, that, that's so true. Guys, look at that ladder going down. Are you on there somewhere? Because it's easy. Like, it's not just a ladder that happens right before you have an affair and blow your life up, right? It, it's a ladder that can happen in the course of a day. Because something happens. I mean, last night, Ethan and I went to play soccer out at Soccer City. And on the way there, a uh, major blowout with my back right tire. And these tires aren't that old. It's just like, I was so ticked off. Like, I, I just was like, God, we got brotherhood breakfast in the morning, and I, we don't have time to deal with this. Thankfully, my son was with me. We were able to, to get it changed. But it's like in the course of a day, you can start down this ladder, right? You can, you can just not trust. You can bear the burden yourself. Look at that, like getting fatigued, starting to lose hope. That can happen in the course of a day, in the course of a week. But look where it leads if you keep going. And I just want you guys to look at that and, and be honest. Do I do this? When these negative emotions come, when things happen that that are not what I had planned, and they're discouraging to me, do I easily go down this ladder? Because it leads to a place of disaster, and I know what that's like because I've been there. Shipwrecked my life completely by following these steps down. The enemy is pulling you down this staircase every chance he gets. And some of you, you're there. You're losing hope. You're losing belief. Some of you are very isolated. Even you come to a group like this, and you're like, this is really cool, a bunch of guys that are here, but I'm alone in this crowd because I got secrets that I don't want to share with anybody. That's the step right before consequences of really bad decisions. But what's great about this, Dave, is that you don't have to do that. Most people do. It's kind of a natural progression that most people do, but you don't have to do it. Talk a little bit about going the other direction when you face negative emotions. Yeah, it really, probably realistically, we, we kind of go like this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We go from the lower one to the upper one, the upper, you know, back and forth over time. Okay. Yeah. But uh, the challenge to you guys is start asking that question. What's the question again? What is it, yeah. Lord, you want me to trust you for in this situation? And then as you start doing that more and more and you start listening and then you start to become confident that he actually is the solution, you start going up this, this yeah. ladder. Yeah. Okay, you're trusting God. You're, you're being, free, being much more unburdened. Aren't you guys tired of being burdened? Yes. Okay. And as you keep growing, you become more empowered, energized. You discover more and more about God's purpose in your life. You're growing in faithfulness. You're becoming more focused in how God has wired you. And you're using, you're becoming a real uh, tool in his hands yeah. to accomplish his purposes. Then you're moving toward stewardship of your design. Yeah. That's why we bring one degree to Church on the Move. We want you to become a master steward of the, God, of the design God has given you. That's what we call particular purpose. And then lastly, as you keep stewarding who you are, guess what? You're on a track to finish well. Mm -hmm. You know, when I learned that 20% of pastors finish well and 30% of Christian leaders finish well, 
I was asking myself, what's, what about the rest of us? Yeah. Okay. And what's really interesting, guys, is what as I've met with thousands of men over the years. I've learned that many of those men who aren't finishing well were better men than I am now. They got off track. So it's not that they're a bunch of losers. They got off track. Yeah. Okay. So what's going to keep you on track? Are you going to be abiding? Are you going to be become really aware of his design of you and then become a master steward of that or not? Man, that's good. That, that word burdened it just jumped out at me when you said it because I think the, the temptation that we can fall into as men, especially men in this room, is we want to take on responsibility. As men, we, we want to, as Jordan Peter, Peterson would say, pick up heavy things and carry them in life. Something in us is drawn to that. But we can fall into this idea that, that the only way to not be burdened is to not take on a lot of responsibility. And what this shows us is that you can keep taking on more. You can keep being entrusted with more by God and it not feel like a heavy burden and weight to carry if you're abiding with him. That's right. He'll give you the power and the strength and the peace and the wisdom that you need to carry more and more and more without being burdened. And I think a lot of us, we fall into this trap of we feel overwhelmed by all the stuff, all the people that are relying on us, all the things that we've said yes to. And God is saying, no, abide in me. I will, I will put significant things in your life that you will carry, that you will lead, that you will be a part of, but it won't feel heavy. That's why Jesus said, my, my yoke is easy. My burden yeah. is light. doesn't mean we don't have a burden. It can be a meaningful burden, but it's light with him. And I think it's good to not fall into the binary of either I take on a lot of responsibility and feel all the weight of that, or I have to like back away from it and say no to everything to not feel burdened. No, it's saying yes to the right things and then letting Jesus make that burden light. Man, that, that's huge. Hold on to this handout. And, and when you're feeling that negative emotion, think about whether you're taking steps down or taking steps up, because you have a choice to do that. We got to go to this last one before we run out of time, because speaking of finishing well, which I think for those of us who are, you know, in the second half of life, I, I hope I just started the second half of life, but uh, that starts to become a lot more important. I think for those of you guys who are in your 20s, it's like you're not, that's not, you're not focused on finishing well. You're building stuff, and I get that. That's great. But for a lot of us in this room, it's like, man, I do want to finish well, and a lot of people don't. This last exercise is just a visual for us to say, what is the trajectory of my life? Unpack this one a little bit for us, Dave. Okay, well, the vertical is kingdom impact, and the horizontal is time age. So you can locate yourself on that chart by saying, okay, let's assume I, I, I can live to 100, which is a big assumption, right? Uh, you put yourself somewhere on that horizontal spot, on that horizontal line. And let's just say you're 40, you are about halfway, a little, more, a little less than halfway. Well, then that upward, that, that slope is, um, it represents alignment with Scripture, in alignment with your design. And it's basically God's intended place where you need to be at 40 years old. Okay? Now, 
the fact of the matter is, I would think most people here in this room are, are above the horizontal line. <laughs> okay. We're Let's not making so. a lot of negative kingdom impact. But uh, you, you won't go above the slope because that's God's intention for you. And my heart is, I want to finish where that target is. Okay. And I'll finish where that target is, like just like my dad did at 93. He finished at the target. Not many men can say that about their father. Will your children be able to say that about you? Okay. And, but, so what happens is if you plot yourself somewhere uh, up from the horizontal line, you ask yourself, okay, well, how am I doing really? And if you're honest, you're, you're, you're somewhere below that slope. <laughs> okay. Well, at some point, you're going to feel some kind of holy unrest. You're going to get restless about something. You're kind of wondering, am I really in the right spot? Am I really doing what God wants me to be doing? And I want you to view that holy unrest as God saying, hey, bud, you're doing great. Keep coming. I got something more to show you. Keep coming. And if you pay attention and start to obey either obey the scriptures in some area where you're not, or you, you start to align more with your design, you start moving toward the slope. And you know what's really fascinating, guys? As soon as, soon as you start moving toward the slope, that holy unrest goes away. Because God has accomplished what he wants to accomplish. He's got you moving. So are you guys moving toward the slope? Now, if, let's see what happens is, if at some point you decided not to take action after, after we meet today. So five years passes, and you're, you're still going, you're at the same point. If you're lucky. You may have plateaued a little bit, dropped down. Well, guess what happens to the gap as you get older? The gap gets bigger. And you feel it. Why do you think so many older men have given up? They've resigned in their Christian life. They feel like they've missed it. And I think it's because they sense the gap is so big. Yeah. And they don't have the faith to trust God to help them move forward. Mm-hmm. All right. So I, can I tell that quick story about John? Yeah. I was coaching a guy on, a ch- on our church staff. And uh, he was, they, we changed his roles a little bit, and he wasn't doing well. He had actually, uh, he was a gifted worship leader, and he, um, uh, years before, he had run a, a landscaping business down in Fort Worth. And uh, he had taken a little assessment which said that not only is he good at worship, I mean, music, but he's also good at uh, interior design and also in landscaping. So I asked him one day, so what do you, you think God might be moving you back to the landscaping stuff? And he just couldn't see it. He actually had a little landscaping business on the side. But two weeks later, he came back and he said, something really strange happened. Two of the men who worked for me 30 years ago down in Fort Worth uh, called me up out of the blue. I hadn't talked to them in 30 years to thank me 
for their, my investment in them during that time. And so I asked John, is that, a, is that a coincidence? And obviously it wasn't. And, and so I asked John, so what would be the obstacles that you would identify uh, of going back into landscaping? And he identified five. And then I said, you know, John, I don't really care about your obstacles. What I care about is, are you committed to go to that slope, that line? When you commit to go to that slope, God starts to do stuff. And sure enough, within two to three weeks, all the obstacles were removed because he had committed to go to the slope. Are you committed to go to the slope? And that next year, God produced more fruit for his, from his life than probably ever before. Wow. And, uh, but I got to tell you, we also found out that all, of his, all the males in his family died at 59 years old. So a year later, he died. Wow. And at his, and at, we rushed up to the hospital right after that. A bunch of us were just shocked. And his wife edges over to me and says, Dave, God just really loved, John just loved you. You really helped him. But this last year, he was finally free to be who he was. Hey, you guys free to live out who you really are? Or are you trying to be something else? Do you even really know who you are? And I remember at, at his funeral, there were hundreds and hundreds of people at this funeral. The pastor read one line out of John's three journals that he would normally fill up every year. He read one line. I'm moving toward the line. And his two sons, grown sons, thanked me for helping John have the best year of his life as he was moving toward the line. Some men. You have the courage to move toward the line. Is your God big enough to help you go toward, the, toward that slope? I trust he is because if you'll stay on that slope or stay as close to that slope as you can, you'll finish well. Yeah. And guess what? God will receive a whole lot of glory as you stay close to that slope and you finish well. That seems like a good place to stop, doesn't it? Would you guys join me in thanking Dave Jewett for sharing with us today? Just stay here. Okay, look, typically guys jump into your one degree. They get these resources from Dave. We're just sharing them with you. There's no strings attached here. However, if you want a, a, a process to determine what your design is, that's what your one degree is all about. And so go see John and his coaches back there at the back when this is over. Get signed up. Start this week. If something about this has made you go, man, I, I, I want to figure out how to move toward that line. I want to align with scripture. I want to align with my design. That's the challenge as we end today. I do want you to take that piece of paper and I do want you to put a circle where you think you are, 
where you are in your life and how far up you are, how close you are to really being as impactful as God has intended you to be at this season of your life. And whatever that little gap is, are you willing to take steps to close that gap? One of them would be signing up for your one degree. Another one would be becoming active in a local church. Another one would be beginning a Bible reading plan. I mean, these are all steps you could take. One of them will offer for you today, and that is we're going to have prayer partners. I think on the sides, you'll see those guys. Uh, prayer partners after this is over. Some of you may have to run off to work, but if you don't have to go immediately and you just want to pray with somebody, that's a great first step of moving toward the line of moving toward Jesus, which is the same as moving toward life for you. Stop by and talk to those prayer partners as you exit. There's a couple other things I was supposed to say, but I'm going to forget them if I don't look. Um, One thing that I know that I can say is uh, we got school today, so nobody has to tear down tables or chairs, so so that's a good thing. Um, We'll have our volunteer table outside. Guys, whether it's in the kitchen, whether it's set up and tear down, we could always use guys to help. This is a big event. I think we had 415 uh, tickets sold this time, and so it's a big event. There's a lot of setup. There's a lot that goes into it. If you'd be willing to take a step toward the line by volunteering and being a part of this, you can go see Jason McClendon uh, at the the volunteer table out in the lobby. Oh, I don't, I'm wearing it, but we got some new hoodies. We got some new merch out there. So if you if you want some new Brotherhood merch, uh, we got a black one and this gray one that I'm wearing, and uh, some hats and some beanies out there. Uh, feel free to grab those. Uh, yeah, that was all the housekeeping things. Um, thank you guys so much for being here. Keep keep these keep these handouts. If you didn't have one, there's gonna be some loose on the tables because I know we had enough for everybody. Uh, so make sure you grab one of those and use these. Okay, why don't we stand to our feet? I want to pray over you guys and then send you out on this Friday. You know, Johnny said 96, right? 96th one in a row. Is that right? 96th in a row. You know what I think is the key to brotherhood being this successful? Consistency. We're here this month. We're going to be here in March too. We're just going to keep getting better. We're just going to keep showing up and keep learning and keep growing and keep getting better. So thank you guys for being here and invite other guys to come and be a part of this as well. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for our brother Dave Jewett, for the way he has invested in and poured into us. And really what has happened is you've been investing in and pouring into us through him. Thank you for giving us a model of someone who's committed to finishing well and let us follow suit, Father. And now let us go out this Friday and I just think of the impact of this room moving out into this whole part of the state of Oklahoma. All of Northeast Oklahoma, we're going into different different businesses, different places, different things that we do. Father, we can shine light today in a powerful way, and I just ask that you would help us do that. Help us abide in you all day today. That is our desire, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here, and we'll see you next time.